Do you ever suspect that your clothes might be killing you? How far are you willing to go for fashion? This week, we'll be talking about the trend of arsenic-laced dresses in the Victorian era. Find out the wrong way to dye clothing on this week's episode of Well, That's Horrible. Welcome back to the most recent installment of Well, That's Horrible. I am Reese, and with me is... Travis. Travis. Please like, uh, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, that just, it really helps us out, guys. Um, I'd also like to ask our listeners to submit their own horrible stories so we can tell them on our show. Let's start off today with tickling the old brain matter. You know, that's just like... Uh... Your opinion, man. Unprofessional opinion. All right, are you ready for the important question, Travis? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. Is cereal a soup? Why or why not? I mean, cereal's a soup in the same way that a hot dog is a taco. See, I would make the argument that a, a hot dog is just the shape but it's not the flat it's it's not a flat piece of bread so think about it if you have if the i have thickness a thickness is what matters it is it's mm, it's the thickness it's the, the thickness is what matters but think about it if i have a piece of bread and i put jelly on one side and peanut butter on the other and fold it in half do i now have a peanut butter and jelly taco or is it just a sandwich folded in half. I think it's just a sandwich folded in half in that case. But what's the difference between that and a hot dog bun? What's the difference between cereal and soup? See, <laughs> cereal and soup. Here's my thought. My first thought was temperature, because typically soup is going to be hot. There's but then you have like gazpacho. Yeah. Gazpacho. Yeah. Gazpacho. And I really think, I, I think it's soup. I think it is soup. It is ingredients thrown into a liquid, eaten in a bowl with a spoon. It's a soup. It'd be a chowder. It would be a chowder, but it would still be a soup. Is chowder soup, technically. I mean, or is it its own thing? Again, it comes down to the thickness. <laughs> I don't like when you whisper thickness. It makes me really uncomfortable. Ooh, the thickness. <laughs> nope, I think we're done with that. I don't want to hear you say thickness anymore. <laughs> Just done. So, I'll whisper it to you as you sleep later. Thank you. (laughs) That's what I keep you around for. Um, All right. Now that we've landed on how we define cereal, I should probably talk about killer dresses. Are you ready? So ready. Okay. All aboard! In 1861, a 19-year-old artificial flower maker by the name of Matilda Schur dies of, quote, accidental poisoning. The formerly healthy young lady works for Mr. Bergeron, uh, not, not the very likable host of America's Funniest Videos. Different guy. Um, okay. <laughs> did you at first say Burgerson? I did say Burgerson. <laughs> Burgerson, Burgerson. <laughs> okay. Are Same you thing. hungry? Like the salad? You're like, 
No, I, I need more food. I need a burger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she works for him in London along with a couple hundred other people. Her job is being a fluffer. Mm. Dude, That's get, your, get your head out of the gutter, <laughs> you savage. Um, she is in charge of fluffing fake leaves and sprinkling a beautiful green powder that she inhales with every breath, then heading off to lunch with her hands covered in this stuff. The vibrant hue of this green dust, which is used to dye dresses and hair bobbles, is done by mixing copper along with a highly toxic substance called arsenic trioxide, uh, otherwise known as white arsenic. Mm. The press gets a hold of the story and publishes it in great detail. If the paper is to believe, it is a truly horrible death. Matilda begins to vomit green water. The whites of her eyes turn green, and she even tells the doctor that everything she looks at looks green. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> in, in her final hours, she convulses every few minutes and uh, has an expression of extreme anxiety, foaming at the mouth, nose, and eyes. There is an autopsy performed that finds that her fingernails have turned extremely green, and they find that the arsenic has worked its way into her stomach, liver, and lungs. Jesus. She was just going after it, that stuff. I mean, I guess. Well, and Fuck. and in that area, they, there were no safety precautions. Right. This was the 1800s. Yeah, there no was no OSHA. To wear. Yeah, no. no OSHA. Yep. So they were just working directly with this material, being told it was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, an article two weeks later states, it was proved by medical testimony that she had been ill from the cause four times within the last 18 months. Under such circumstances as these, death is evidently about as accidental as it is when resulting from a railway collision occasioned by arrangements known to be faulty. (laughs) To to the majority (laughs) of the public, it seems pretty apparent that her death is predictable, preventable, and that she had been sacrificed on the altar of fashion. Sacrifice on the altar of fashion. Just sounds like a fucking... Pop punk band. (laughs) I was pretty proud of that sentence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it sounds definitely like sounds very much like any Fallout Boy song. (laughs) Do it in the name of. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's not Fallout Boy. No, it's not. I went my own way. (laughs) (laughs) You're going Rage Against the Machine? All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, that is pretty metal. Uh, it all starts back in 1814 when a company in Germany called Wilhelm Die and Weitled Company. They might as well have called it The Things We Make Will Kill You Slowly, Incorporated. <laughs> right. I mean, the lead's not super strong there either. No. no. <laughs> arsenic yeah. and lead. Uh-huh. Just that is what they it. came out with. I mean, arsenic's no fucking joke. I mean, my where I live, it was a super fun site because of all the arsenic in the ground from yeah. a mill. And that's why you look the way you do. And that's why I look the way I do. I used to have hair before I lived there. <laughs> no, it's all cleaned up now, but fuck. Yeah. Like, it was in the groundwater and shit. Like, it, not good. That is bad. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the company develops a new green dye. It's bolder and brighter than anything currently out there, and women absolutely love it. The drive to make brighter clothing is largely because most lighting is transitioning from candlelight to gaslight. 
because lighting at evening parties is now much brighter. The focus shifts from just the shape of a dress to the color of the fabric. Hmm. Um, because before, if you were in dim light, what mattered was the silhouette. Right, so, that's why they got those crazy exactly. fucking dresses with all the wire. Just to fake having a giant ass. Yeah. Just the <laughs> biggest ass. The Cinderella style. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, ladies want to make sure that they're the most colorful person in the room. People even begin to use arsenic dye for carpeting and wallpaper. A number of organizations champion Matilda's cause, including a group called Ladies Sanitary Association. I think it's a testament to where society was at this time because uh, this group was actually dedicated to educating women just on basic hygiene and child rearing. There was no education for that. Uh, no one was teaching women about this. So this organization came around to help educate women on this. I mean, we kind of still don't have that. Like, I know. It's at least slightly better. <laughs> slightly. Uh, one of the members of this group had worked in the sweatshops where the flowers are made. Uh, and she watched women, or uh, more realistically, most of them were underage girls, working with bandaged hands, which covers their skin, um, and they would assemble the bouquets for the upper crust of society. She watched as the other women wrapped their hands in blood-soaked handkerchiefs. She even states that she, quote, had been kept on working with green till her face was one mass of sores, unquote. She is nearly blind by the time she gets out. She even states that none of these girls have any inkling of, uh, of the dangers that they're in from the arsenic. They believe that it just simply gives them symptoms of a bad cold. That's, Jesus. that's all they thought. <laughs> the, uh, the Ladies Sanitary Association bring in a doctor, A.W. Hoffman, to examine the flowers on the lady's hat with dyed flowers on it. He discovers that it contains enough arsenic to poison 20 people. One Jesus. hat. One hat. Uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of math here. It's found that the ball gown uh, that he tests is dyed by arsenic, and it is literally 50% arsenic by weight. Half of the dress's weight is arsenic. I just can't even fathom that. That's wild. How do you get that much poison into fabric? (laughs) Like, is it, I mean, they're literally trying to get as much poison, I mean, because that's the dye. Yeah. So they're trying to get as much poison as possible on there. To get the brightest colors possible. Jesus. Yeah. It's it's insanity. It's a lot of dye. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never thought of dye weighing that much. No. Well, <laughs> and it was probably the just the material, you know, the arsenic and all of the other materials that were in the dye are what actually weighed so much. Mm-hmm. And this was a relatively new science. I'll, I'll get into it a little bit more, but um, this was a complete transition from uh, how things had been dyed before, which before it had been a much safer method. Um hmm. He finds that at least 60 grains of arsenic powder slough off in a single evening. I found out that it takes four to five grains of arsenic to kill the average adult. And (laughs) these dresses were sloughing 60 grains. So we're talking 30 people or more could die just from what comes off the dress in one evening. Just shedding. (laughs) Just all throughout the party, the night, no matter where you're at. Yep. You're just wearing it on your head and going in your mouth and your eyes 
It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> God damn. In fact, uh, there is only one person who seems impervious to the poison. The name of this person is Nick Nolte. <laughs> You're gonna have to work harder than that to kill me than a little arsenic. I've been rebasing crack since I was three. Thought the dresses from last night were a phase for me? Think again. I like to wear these green dresses because they make me feel like I'm living in Oz. Even though that movie won't be made for another hundred years. <laughs> when the dress wears out, I can stick it in the blender and do lines of arsenic dust off Mary Shelley's ass at a party. This might have been the morphine she'd just done, but she said I was the inspiration for Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that the news industry has changed as much as we think because London papers start to vilify women wearing these clothes as murderers. <laughs> that was just such a fucking wild, wild transition. It was. <laughs> just going for it. I'm jumping right back in. <laughs> <laughs> just straight from Nick Nolte, just right back in. Right back in. <laughs> I don't want to keep our listeners <laughs> waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it, I mean, it's totally on brand for fucking the writer of Frankenstein. She loved orgies. Like, did like, she? Yeah, dude. Like, that was she, not an intentional reference there. <laughs> well, it was. It was on on point. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, because yeah, I think uh, I read somewhere that she had been doing some like absinthe and had been in an orgy when she came up with Frankenstein. I mean, don't quote me on that. That could be a Travis fact, but you know what? We're I, going to I go with it. On Reddit, it is I think. change approved. That is now actual <laughs> fact. If I learned anything from uh, Jones, it's that someone tells you something and then it's fact. That's so fact. it is now fact that Mary Shelley was hardcore into orgies and she met Nick Nolte. And <laughs> that's where she came up with Frankenstein. So the papers say that the women are carrying around enough arsenic to, quote, poison enough to slay the whole of the admirers she may meet within half a dozen ballrooms. Jesus. <laughs> Sensation- That's a weird way to put it, too. <laughs> it is. Sensational reporting definitely isn't a new thing. What we learned from all this is that chemists of the 19th century are the color innovators of fashion. Coloring has become a major industry, and dyeing is one of the only aspects of fashion that women are allowed to be a part of. With the chemist making his way into all clothing, people have realized that because these dyes have replaced more expensive animal and mineral dyes, middle-class women have begun to be able to afford brilliantly colored clothing. In fact, there's even a uh, Victorian slang term which is toddy all colors. That is the most British nickname, uh, <laughs> which describe a woman who tries to have all the colors of the rainbow in her clothing. But like many advancements, this affordability comes at the price of health. The worst color being the vibrant green that led to the death of Matilda. Women clamor to get their hands on the brightest colors, and the clothing suppliers scramble to make as much as possible, leaving in their wake polluted air, soil, water, and a steadily declining workforce. Babies begin to die in record numbers, largely due to their nurseries being decorated with arsenic carpet and arsenic wallpaper. Mm. Their caretakers also take a turn for the worse as well. And to make matters even more horrible, when the children and caretakers become ill, they are often actually told to rest in the very rooms that are killing them. 
so they wind up just dying faster. Right. God, that's terrible. While toxic artificial flowers are what lead the headlines, arsenic is absolutely everywhere. Arsenic is used in pigments, rat poisons, and even medicines. A child at the time can even buy pure arsenic over the counter at a pharmacy. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> this is an era where opium, cannabis, and cocaine are not only legal, but common. And when hypodermic needles hit the market in the mid-1800s, morphine and heroin become the new fad. In Britain, the Control of Poisons Bill of 1851 and the Arsenic Act of 1861 pass, which uh, they limit the purchase of arsenic by individuals. However, it's still completely legal and unregulated for large-scale use in any industry. So... You couldn't go to the counter and buy it, but any business, if you had a business purpose for it, you could buy it in bulk. <laughs> uh, I wish you could still buy... I mean, you can kind of buy cannabis and cocaine in bulk, but... I mean, I mean only no, one it's... of them legally <laughs> yeah, in some places. That'd be pretty dope. Like, ha, I'm just going to go joke. down to the corner store and uh, pick up a pound of cocaine. <laughs> Imagine how much work we'd get done. Just right. So much work. <laughs> just in the coke. Like literally. Yep. The, the coke. <laughs> if we head across the English Channel, we find Ange Gabriel Maxim Vernois, who is a consulting physician for the absolute royalist of the royals, even providing <laughs> services for Emperor Napoleon III. He begins conducting studies focusing particularly on workplace hazards. Uh, he was actually kind of um, at the forefront of trying to realize that we needed to make workplaces safe instead mm -hmm. of just killing children to make clothes. <laughs> I mean, not that that's changed all that much. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it's just in China. Exactly. Oh. In 1859, he finds that uh, much like Londoners, flower-making workshops are uh, making workers deathly ill. Vernois dives into great detail on conditions of the sweatshops, even including illustrations of how the toxic green dust mangles the ruined hands and bodies of these poor workers. In one workshop he visits, he notes that the powder is ground under the fingernails, uh, and then meals are eaten with no precautions used to remove the poison. So they are just coating all of their food in arsenic dust. I mean, that's like modern day, it's mechanics. Like, yeah. For real, like I've known a couple yep. guys who worked in like either oil, like uh, oil changing places or different mechanic shops. Yeah. And they'll just go like their hands covered in grease and oil and all these heavy metals and then they'll just eat their lunch, lick their fingers afterwards. Like <laughs> I suppose that's technically better than arsenic. But yeah, it's still but a lot heavy of metals, fucking heavy metals. It's not healthy for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> It blisters toes that are poking through worn shoes and settles onto the floor where it kills rats and mice. Uh, he actually noted in his article that all of the dye shops had no rats or mice, and the few that had cats to get rid of any rats or mice, those cats were sickly and just oh. about to die. So no one is thriving in these buildings. Not even the mice. <laughs> Not even the mice. Jesus. To make matters worse, many of these workers take dye home and work on additional clothing at home, saturating every surface in their home. Even with all this, arsenic is still only considered an irritant poison 
by most governments. <laughs> when it comes in contact with the body, it is said to be an escharotic, a substance that exerts a caustic effect on the skin, producing sores, scabs, and sloughing of the damaged tissue. Gross. But it's just near a tent. It's fine. Sloughing. <laughs> never want to hear that. No, sloughing like is never a good and thing. Gloving. Yeah. Like those are <laughs> those paint a vivid picture. You never hear sloughing in a positive way. No. Oh, it was great. My paycheck, it was it, it sloughed doubly into my bank account. It was great. <laughs> right. <laughs> I gotta say, who can resist someone with sloughy skin? It's just <laughs> mm, that's what does it for me. Uh <laughs> that's where the phrase quote if your skin ain't sloughed free, then you're not for me, comes from. <laughs> you go to the leprosy camp and all your dating. <laughs> I think there's a specific branch of Tinder for that. Uh, <laughs> when wounds would occur in the workplace, this only opens more avenues for poison to find its way in, which accelerates their effects. There are men who specialize in dying, as in coloring clothes, not passing away. And <laughs> it is their job to make clothing a more, quote, natural shade of green. They apply the dye paste with their bare forearms and stretch the cloth to dry on wooden frames, holding the fabric in place with nails. These nails scrape and lacerate their skin, letting in more poison uh, in a constant flow. When these men would go to take a piss without washing their hands, it leads to painful inflammation and lesions of the ball sack and thighs. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure why not the dick. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Were, are they holding on to their ball sack to pee? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how that's did, how I do it. How did people in the 1800s hold their dick to pee? I mean, is it a I generational thing? Like. Yeah, there'd be, it never sure occurred to me that it'd be who, uh, generational. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I hold on to my shoulders when I pee. <laughs> I cover my eyes so I don't catch the gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like my own penis. <laughs> uh, That's right. Nobody else does either. <laughs> I'm aware. Words hurt, Travis. <laughs> Uh, so these lesions, uh, actually resemble the symptoms of syphilis. That's, that's a pretty tough thing to convince your wife. Right. <laughs> no, no, honey, this has nothing to do with my trips to the strip club. Honest. <laughs> Many of these lesions lead to gangrene. It's found that the symptoms improve with six weeks of complete bed rest, but as it turns out, people who are desperate enough to make a living that they coat their bodies in poison probably don't have the vacation time built up to lay around for six weeks. Mm -hmm. Just saying. After the cloth is dyed, it's handed over to girls and young women who then turn it into leaves and bouquets. These women lose all appetite and are, quote, nauseous with colic and diarrhea, anemia, pallor, and constant headaches that made them feel as if their temples were being pressed in a vice. Sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, Just that's like how, a good old time. That's how I fall asleep. <laughs> After Dr. Vernois publicizes these findings, the French and German governments quickly pass laws making the pigments illegal. British governments, however, decide to take the good old American route and uh, leave the poison because it just looks so pretty. <laughs> These dyes also lead to illness in the people wearing the clothes, obviously. 
it's found that many of the dyes are simply painted onto the surface of the clothing with nothing else treating them to make sure they stay in the fabric. Women begin to experience hand lesions and fingernail discoloration. Um, one of the things I found is that uh, the higher-end uh, clothing dyers, uh, they would put the clothing through a treatment process that would set the dye into the fabric, mm-hmm. and that was not great, but um, wouldn't, like, kill you instantly, but it was the <laughs> less expensive ones that were using the same dye but not going through the um, setting process, so they would just take arsenic, dye, and paint it on the outside of fabric and turn that into clothing and send it out into the uh, unsuspecting public. And they just knew at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, we know. Right. Oh, yeah, it was up. very well known, but there was a market for it and nothing regulating it, especially in Great Britain at the time. Yeah. Uh, eventually, arsenic is outlawed in all consumer products except for poison, but not before cutting a giant swath in the population. All right, Travis. Uh Tons of things we thought were safe (laughs) or healthy have turned out to be deadly, like cocaine, x-rays, radioactive water, shit like that. Um, What's one thing that we have in current society that you think will be viewed the same way in the future? Oh, cell phones. For sure. Did you really just? That's my answer. Okay, but anyway, continue. (laughs) I mean, cell phones for sure. Now you have to come up with something on the spot. So Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I think those are going to fucking just immediately, uh, when they look at them, like in the future, they're going to be like, you just held those radioactive things up to your head. In your pocket. In your pocket? 24 hours a day. No wonder your kids were all messed up. (laughs) (laughs) You're radiating your balls every day. (laughs) See, now I have to try to think on the fly of what I'm going to answer. I I don't have a... Well, I find it ironic that we both came up with cell phones because, again, I, I use a cell phone all day long, but... I, I am quite convinced that at some point we're going to realize that we've all just been cancerizing ourselves. Oh, microplastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even like uh, they used to use R22 for uh, coolant and air conditioners. And then in like the thousands, early 2000s, they figured out, oh, that's poison. Like, that's not good for you. That causes cancer. Oh, so, no. <laughs> and they're just now, I mean, if you have an older AC. Yeah. <laughs> R22, I have R22. My, I don't want to look at my air conditioner. Yeah, well, if you've had your coolant replaced, uh, then you don't have R22 because you can't get any more. I don't think I've ever had my coolant replaced in our air conditioner. <laughs> you might have R22. Now I'm concerned. <laughs> That's right, I know a guy. I need to I look got, into I got, that. I got R22 on the black market, so I got you covered. So, <laughs> don't worry. So you it's can't not put, my brother. You can't put... No, I hope not. Uh, so you can't put new coolant into... Mm-mm. So you have to get a whole new AC? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's so a problematic. First-time homeowners are going to find that out the hard way. Yeah. yeah. If you're buying a house for the first time, I mean, roof, right. R22 and the AC, you got to figure out the AC and foundation. Those are the things. Well, and speaking of things in homes, too, this is one that people know about now. But uh, when what? Erica and I first got married, um, we found this absolutely gorgeous dining room table at an estate sale. Um And I'm not usually excited about furniture of any kind, but this was a beautiful, like, cherry 
table. Mm. It was it was gorgeous, and uh, it came with a custom cover so that the top wouldn't get scratched up. And uh, this cover had been built specifically for that table. And uh, I went and looked, and there was a label in the corner, and it said, proudly made in Chicago with 100% pure asbestos. (laughs) (laughs) So that got rolled up and thrown away, and we scrubbed down the table, and hopefully (laughs) we were fine eating off of it. (laughs) It's just a little asbestos. Yeah. It's a little asbestos between friends. Just some spice. (laughs) Just a little asbestos spice. (laughs) All righty. Since we're both still alive, because neither of us is wearing green, I think we need some good news. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Good news, everyone. Well, that's not so horrible. So this week's good news is on, uh, there's this dog in Vancouver Island, which is like where they film alone. So it's like this hardcore, you know, pretty rough area in Vancouver Island, uh, British Columbia. Okay. It's Canada, if you didn't know. I, I did know that. I don't <laughs> okay. know much about Canada, but, but it, I do know that. This dog fell off a cliff mm-hmm. and was lost for a week. And a bunch of people went out trying to help find this, like, family dog. So yeah. It's like this beloved dog, which, I mean, its name is Luna, and my dog's name is Luna. So it's like... You have an instant emotional yeah, connection to this story. I have an emotional story. connection to the yep. story. But, uh, yeah, for a week... This, they can't find this dog, and then finally some guy uh, is walking, looking around the river, and you can hear the dog barking. Okay. And he even, like, jumps in his boat, looks up and down the river, is banging pots and pans, and you can hear the dog barking in response to the pot and pans. Did he have pots banged. and pans in his boat with him? I don't know. I it, it sounds like he heard the dog, couldn't find it, went back and got his boat, went up and down the river, okay. pinpointed it, and then finally they found the dog, and the dog had fallen off a cliff, and had spent a week on a two-foot ledge. Oh, so no. a full week on just a little tiny ledge. Right. Uh, and they had to, like, lower harness, get a bunch of, like, firefighters involved to get the dog off. But, yeah, lived for a week after falling off a cliff onto this two-foot ledge. And only because some guy was out banging pots and pans on his boat on the river. <laughs> and the dog would respond every time he'd hit his pots and pans. That's a very specific <laughs> right. method of trying to find a dog. Right. I'm <laughs> like, also, my brain can't move past the idea that someone would just happen to have a wide array of pots and pans in their boat with them just because. You I mean, I know. guess, like, if he's, like... The type of guy you go fishing and then you want to cook on the riverbank. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done that sort of stuff. That's I mean, true. but I catch fish. Right. So, you know, it's a. <laughs> Why do you have to mock me like that? <laughs> you just couldn't even fathom the idea of anybody being able to catch something so, in the wild. <laughs> on that note, again, I know that I've mentioned on this show before that I am incapable of catching fish. Um, my children got me a trout ornament for the tree and a tackle box ornament and uh come to find out they purchased those for me specifically to mock me (laughs) not as uh oh we love you daddy and we're really hoping you succeed no here are symbols of your failure as a person we it's just such a fucking montana flex too (laughs) (laughs) do you even catch fish bro (laughs) no no i don't Handing in my man card. (laughs) 
Well, folks, that wraps up this week's episode of Well, That's Horrible. Please remember to like, rate, and subscribe on your podcast platform and check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Come back next week when we talk about the Raelianism cult, which believed that we were put here by aliens. Remember to double-check your clothes for poison and always remember to make the world a little less horrible. Well, 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 that's horrible. Who is a consulting physician for the royal? Who is a consulting physician for the royalist? Good movie. Oh no, that is the sentence I was trying to say.